0: For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock, you are my glory, you are the lift of my head. hi and welcome to the rock podcast. In today's study, the Apostle Paul continues to share with us why the Christian life is always a win-win no matter what happens in our lives. Now, let's join Pastor Ross with a message entitled, To Live is Christ. Okay, good morning again. We are headed to Philippians chapter 1, where we're going to pick up in the middle of the chapter, finish it out, Lord willing. Why don't you turn there, and I'll ask the Lord for His help. Our Heavenly Father, we always call on your name at this time, because apart from Jesus, uh, we can do nothing. So, Father, by the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our understanding? Help us to make sense of what your Spirit is saying just through your living word. Uh, Father, we believe that you predestined us to be here together in this moment, no such thing as accidents with you. So there's something here for all of us, Lord, including myself. So give us ears that can hear, a heart that can understand, and and most of all, Lord, just determination to put these truths into practice. In Christ's name. Amen. Well, somebody described the last studies as being like going to a a spiritual chiropractor and getting an adjustment <laughs> of their attitudes and lining it up with the word of God and just hearing all of that kind of inner clicking going on and just feeling better as a result. Because when we uh, get our eyes on Christ and his promises and off of us and our situation, it's always a good thing. Amen? Uh, well, I've got a question for you uh, along the, those lines, and it's kind of a rhetorical one, so you don't have to answer it, but how many of you would rather have joy instead of despair? And how, how many of you would rather be optimistic than gloomy all day long, right? I mean, to have peace instead of anxiety and to trade uncertainty uh, for confidence. Well, we have the opportunity every time we come before the word of God, we can make an adjustment. We can change by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's always directing our gaze, Say no, don't look at the things that you can see. That's temporary. You can't evaluate things that way. You have to look past that in faith to the things that the Bible calls unseen, the unseen things, God's promises, how the Holy Spirit is working, how he's using these things despite the painful situation or the inconvenience or whatever. And so that's the beauty of the book of Philippians is here's Paul is in chains for Christ. He's incarcerated. He's just lived 30 years. He's had 30 years of very hard times, many disappointments, much pain and suffering. And yet bubbling out of a Roman prison cell, awaiting trial, you know, before Nero, who could lop his head off. He's got this joy. And and that's why the Holy Spirit says, whatever things you see in him, you observe, you learn, you receive from the Apostle Paul, keep your eye on him and put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Boy, what a compliment to the grace given to the Apostle Paul. And so we get to see... How he's relating his life and how he's describing his situation and his attitudes. We get to see that in this personal letter that he's writing while he's incarcerated. And we're just seeing, we're just seeing this joy and this confidence. And boy, his, his glass is surely half full. That's how he sees life. And how, I mean, there's only one option, and, and there's only one option for Christians. It's optimism. Because in this life, God's working everything together for good. And in the life to come, man, the list is replete with blessing after blessing of of heaven. And so it's really win-win, and that's the case that uh, he's going to make here in chapter 1 where we pick up. So context, if you missed last week, where we're at is he's in his introduction. He's already said, let's review my past events and how they've been advancing the gospel. That's amazing because the past events in, in this case were, you know, a shipwreck and an, a mob that tried to kill him and a snake bite and all kinds of things. And yet he said, the truth is my past, it's all work to advance the gospel. And then he went from the past to the present. And he said, so let me tell you what's happening here now and how God's using that. Here he's in chains. He says, because of my chains now... The brothers in Rome, they're all preaching the gospel. They identify with the struggle. They kind of caught the flame and they got emboldened and the gospel's going up. Even the guys who don't like me, he said, last time, remember? He said, the guys who say, oh, the apostle's gone now. Time for me. I'm going to step up and be like the apostle Paul and and, kind of take jabs at Paul. He said, who cares? What does it matter? The gospel, they're preaching the gospel. So I'm actually rejoicing with that as well. Now he moves from past to present to future. Now he's going to say, now, about the outcome of my trial before Nero. And he has some thoughts about that. And in those thoughts, we'll find the remainder of the chapter, chapter 1. And we'll find three things that we would do well to imitate. Uh, So note takers, the three things that we find in this morning's text will be a confident outlook, surprise, verses 18 through 20. And then an unbeatable attitude, verses 21 through 26. And then a noble aim, a noble aim, verses 27 through 30. And we'll be done with chapter 1. So let's dive right in. Let's take a look at this confident outlook of his. So he says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Can I just pause right there and preach a sermon? Okay, (laughs) because... It's just he's saying, yeah, unbelievably so. Yes, I'm in change. Yes, I just told you about all the, all the disappointing things that have happened in life on the outward. But God is using them in so many wonderful ways. It makes me happy. And he says, I will continue to rejoice. It is a decision of the will, not a warm, fuzzy feeling because everything's lined up the way you want it to go. He's in change, but he's saying, I choose to look at how God is using that, and that's going to make me happy. All right, do you get that? All right, I could go on, but... (laughs) And I will. (laughs) Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that's awesome, what has happened to me will turn out, now I'm looking forward for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. Check this out. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Wow. I can't wait to get to that already. Because it doesn't matter the outcome. It's win-win for the Christian in life or in death. And so let's take a look at this confident outlook What's the basis, first of all, for his optimism and hope? Because you've got to have a basis. You better be uh, joyful because you have a reason, because uh, confidence without reason is uh, delusional, <laughs> all right? Because <laughs> honestly, folks, let's be real. If you're... Uh, an atheist and you're on the Titanic and you don't have a life vest or a lifeboat, seriously, (laughs) whistling a happy tune is not helpful or advisable, all right? It does nobody any good for you to have a positive outlook biblically when the Bible says uh, you're on shaky ground, right? Right? And so you have to have a basis. So he's saying, I have a basis for this joy. You know, I'm just not saying, oh, you know, life is throwing me lemons, so I'm going to make lemonade just because that's uh, a cool thing to say. He's got some reasons, and he puts them out there in the text. Listen, I, um, some, uh, a chaplain, when I had cancer, Fifteen years ago, I'm cured, by the way, for you newbies out there. So I struggled with Hodgkin's lymphoma. I was in outpatient uh, chemotherapy at the time at UCSF when a chaplain, he came up to my bed. Unfortunately for him, uh, he came up to me because he's a fake chaplain. He's not even a Christian. All right, he went to a seminary that teaches just religious studies, right? But at UCSF, apparently, they don't want to offend anybody with a a real chaplain. So (laughs) I'm among friends. I could talk to you, right? All right. And so they send in this phony guy with a complete, with a little, uh, you know, a little name tag that says chaplain. So he comes to my bedside, unfortunately, as I said for him. (laughs) And I said, oh, chaplain, it's so good to see you. Yeah. Uh, What's up? And he started talking. And I said, do you even know Jesus? And he said, well, no, not the way you would define it. (laughs) Yeah. He says, yes, I believe in Jesus, and I believe in Buddha, and I believe in the universe and all of that. And I said, oh. (laughs) I said, OK, chaplain, give me some hope. The doctor just said to me, 12 months, and we can't stop this, and you're gone. You're dead. Give me some hope. And he goes, well, the universe, I, I, the more he talked, the more depressed I got. You know. And then I said, what's going to happen when I die? Come on, Chaplain, tell me. What's going to happen? He says, well, think of it like little bubbles. We're all little bubbles, and we're going to float up into the atmosphere and join the big bubble. And I said, oh, that sounds like so much fun. (laughs) Oh, my sarcasm was not uh, affected by the chemotherapy. (laughs) It was enhanced. (laughs) Who's going to take care of my wife? Who's going to raise my kids? How do I know what's going to happen to them? Give me some verifiable truth. Give me something for my hope. You know, and he said, he just looked at me like he couldn't help me because he couldn't. There were no reasons. It's just like, knock on wood, cross your fingers, say some, uh keep positive, man, keep positive. Why? Why should I keep positive? If I'm driving my car and the bridge is out, I should be singing, pull up the tunes, man, and be happy. No, 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 he says, I've got some reasons. I'm rejoicing. I've got a God who loves me, verifiable truth. I've got the Holy Spirit on board. I've got his precious promises. I've got prom- prophecy fulfilled to look at. I've got a reason to hope. God is for me. He'll take care of my wife. He'll take care of my kids. And if he chooses to take my life, I will live forever with him. That's a reason to be happy. So, you know, anyway, long story short, he was telling everybody all of this nonsense, right? So I just followed behind him. <laughs> Dragging my pole. Hi, I'm a chaplain too. <laughs> oh, that was so much fun. Okay, so here's the basis for Paul's rejoicing, and it's the basis of ours as well, the prayers of God's people. Because I already know this is going to end happy for me. Number one, everybody's praying for me. You know what? The Bible says God encourages people to join him in his work. He calls us co-laborers. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to listen to your prayers. And I'm going to factor all of that in to my plan. And your prayers, James chapter 1, are powerful and effective, says God. So he says, hey, I know God honors your prayers. So whatever happens to me... It's going to turn out for my good, my deliverance, because God's people are praying. You know, in Acts, I believe it's chapter 12, Peter gets himself in prison, right? Uh, He's preaching the gospel. They throw him in there. They're guarding him with like 16 soldiers, four squads of four soldiers each, right? But it says, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And sure enough, God did a miracle, man. And he sent an angel he he just the, the, sets Peter free. The doors open up, and out Peter goes. Prayer changes things. When it's a yes, it's good. When it's a no, it's good. When it's a maybe, we'll see, it's good. When it's wait, it's good. God hears prayer, and he says, I just know things are going to go well with me. Reason number one, God's people are praying for me. What are they praying? For my courage. They're praying for a favorable response and they're, they're praying for my, me to uh, not compromise and be co- courageous no matter what the outcome. So I've got the prayers of God's people. Secondly, and as a result, I think of them praying, he says, I've got the help of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. We serve one God. He's three persons. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A difficult concept, uh, but... Uh, We call it the Trinity, right? And so the person of the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ in spirit form we have uh, on board in our hearts. Take a look for this reason to be uh, confident. John chapter 14. Jesus speaking the last night of his earthly life. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another, I put all caps, helper, that's his name, To be with you, how long? Forever. The spirit of truth. The world doesn't get him. They can't accept him because they don't don't have faith. They, They don't see him or know him. But you know him for he, check this out. He lives with you and will be in you. So he says, listen, I got everybody praying for me, which God honors. He's listening to. And I've got the helper. The helper. Who's the helper? The spirit of the almighty God who spoke and made the universe. Where is he? He's beside me and he's inside me by his spirit because I opened up to Christ in faith and he came on board. Who's on board? The helper. The spirit of the living God has come into my heart to do what? To help me here, right? Right? So I've got some pretty good reason and cause for confident optimism. Why? Everybody's praying for me. God honors those prayers. And number two, he's with me, the spirit of God. He's in my, he's not just in the cell. He's in my heart. That word helper, wonderful word. Some of your translations have advocate. It means of all things. Technically, it means lawyer. It means defense lawyer, one who speaks before a judge on your behalf. That is what Christ is, and the spirit of Christ is accomplishing. So he's saying, okay, I've got everybody in the Roman Empire who knows the Lord praying on my behalf. And I've got the helper. I've got the best lawyer money can buy, who's not only in my cell, he's in my heart, and he's he's taken my case. So, of course, you know what? I'm going to continue to rejoice. Go, you can go back to the verse. Because he has great cause to do that. Now, he says, I know that things are going to work out for me. That's his bottom line. That's the, that's the result of all of this confidence that things are going to, quote, work out for my deliverance. Now, uh, is he all happy because he knows he's going to be let out of prison? No. That's not what that word deliverance means. That word deliverance is the word, the normal word for salvation. So when Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and anytime you see the word salvation in the New Testament, it's that word translated their deliverance. So it's a broader <laughs> deliverance than just getting out of jail and getting acquitted of the charges. Because Why? Check it out. Life or death, verse 20. He says, I don't know if it's going to go live. I don't know if it's going to go death, right? I don't know either way, but I do know I'll be delivered. I'll be saved either way. So, and he says, I'll be delivered from cowardice or I'll be delivered from caving in morally or I'll be uh, delivered from being ashamed at the trial. And if it goes poorly from human point of view, then we are going to be, I'm gonna be saved and stand before God. And so what he's saying is in either case, however it goes, life or death, I'm gonna be delivered, right? And that's the case with you. Is it only joyful confidence when God says yes to how you perceive how your life should go and how he should answer? I mean, must we always get the job every single time? Must we always get the girl? Must we always get the cure for a happy ending, for deliverance? No. In fact, the Bible says all things are working together. The yeses and the noes. They're working together. It's actually God saying, yes, I hear the cry of your heart, but I'm going to do it this way if you don't mind. And that will always 100% of the time end in that word, deliverance, for your good. You're going to end up in heaven. You're going to end up with greater godly character. Someone's going to hear the gospel and get saved because of this no that you got that's blown you out of the water. God's using it for good, for deliverance. And so it doesn't matter to Paul. He's saying, I know you're praying. I know the spirit of Christ is on board and he's helping me. So how can I not be delivered? Big word. Now, Paul does expect to get out. He's told us, uh, he's alluding to it here. And he's going to say in verse 24, he's going to say, yeah, I'm convinced that I have a, a hunch that I'm going to get Released, and that I'll see you again. And he also says that next chapter as well. He says, I'm trusting Jesus that I'm going to be seeing you guys soon. He's not demanding it. He's not to, strong-arming God. You said it right here. I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to keep saying it until it happens, you know? He's not saying that. He, he defers to God's will always, whatever the case, whatever God wants, that will be best. But he does think that he's going to to, uh, escape Nero's wrath and uh, be reunited with the Philippians. And so he says, I'm rejoicing because of your prayers and and because I know the Holy Spirit is helping me. And whether I live or whether I die, it's going to go well for me. He says, you know, I can honor God... (laughs) in my martyrdom and I can honor God by being released. And he says, that's just up to him. And so that's a great attitude to have. So we're gonna move from a confident outlook, but before we do, can I just seal the deal with Romans chapter eight and just put it up there? And you tell me if you have an option to despair. As a believer in Jesus Christ, just just, just you tell me. I'm going to reason with you like reasonable people that you are, all right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a rhetorical question meaning nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and now he wants to make a list, all right? So he says, how about trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? Nope. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. So he says, think of a conqueror. Think of, you know, Hercules or whatever, you know, or some war hero, and then go way above that because that's who we are, okay? We're more than conquerors through Christ, through God who loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, that covers a lot of stuff. (laughs) Because I know Eeyore is out there. Eeyore's out there. Well, you didn't mention this. So he says, okay, I'm going to get you, Eeyore. I'm going to get you on board, man, okay? So neither death nor life, Eeyore, neither angels nor demons. Not even demons. I mean, demons are scary. I mean, I, I've only kind of encountered that kind of thing, I think, a couple times in 35 years. But it was, when those voices start, you know, you know, It's scary. I'm not going to do a demon voice for you. Sorry. (laughs) I draw the line, okay? Somewhere. Angels, demons, neither the present nor the future. Oh, he hears Eeyore, but you haven't said this, nor any powers. That's a lot of coverage right there. Neither height nor depth. And then he goes, okay, I can hear you just saying, but you didn't mention this. So he says, nor anything in all creation. What are you going to say to that? What are you going to come up with there? Nothing you could possibly imagine can do any harm to you and separate you from God and his love that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And where is Christ Jesus our Lord? He's in our hearts and sealed us with his Holy Spirit. So Paul says, excuse me. If I look beyond the chains and get a little excited about my circumstances because it's not the chains, it's Christ the Lord. Amen? I think you need to be more excited. (laughs) I'll I'll try it again. I, I don't know. I was just pouring out my heart here, you know. I, and I still see that you're still needing a little convincing. I could go over this again. Or, um, I could have T-shirts printed, all right? And we'd have to all read them and wear them. That's pretty good news, amen? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. That's why I go to this church right there. Okay, let's move on, David, before they get impatient. <laughs> Oh, it's going to keep going. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. (laughs) If I'm going to go on living in the body, that's going to mean fruitful labor for me. And what should I choose? Which way should we go with the hoping here? Should I hope that Nero executes me, or should I hope that Nero lets me out of prison? Hmm. He says, I'm torn between the two. (laughs) I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary that for you that I remain in the body, alive. (laughs) That's what that means. 25. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain, and I'll continue with all of you for your progress and join the faith so that through my being with you in Lydia's house and a whole fellowship group, oh, what a night that will be, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Getting out of prison, escaping this, coming to see you guys, a big huddle, of prayer. Oh, man. By the way, they got that. They got that. The pastoral epistles, he got out. He got out this time. And he makes it to Macedonia. Where, pray tell, is Philippi? It's in Macedonia, he gets to see them, he walks through, he busts through the door, so he gets a yes this time. He said, hey, I'm good with yes, I'm good with no, and God said, you know what, I'm good with yes this time, so uh, praise the Lord for that. So we move from a confident outlook now to an unbeatable attitude. Come on, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. These seven words in Greek, they tell us what it means to be alive, what it means to live, and what it means for a Christian to die. Just wonderful words here. So he says, to live is Christ. What does he mean by that? He's saying, my life's all wrapped up in Jesus, folks. He says, you know, it's not about, I don't go to bed at night thinking about Nero, Nero and how sharp the axe is, you know? I don't go to, I'm not thinking about the warden, I'm not thinking about, uh, my life is invested really Christ overshadows everything for me. It's all, I'm entangled up in Jesus. My love for him, he's the love of my life, the reason I do the ministry. The churches don't come before him. My own personal safety doesn't come before him. He's just my idol. He's he's what I worship. I bow down to him. I'm all wrapped up in him. And so this, a Christ-centered life, is the key to a confident outlook and joy and spiritual maturity, everything, if you're wrapped up in Jesus. So he says, my motives for my actions, the goal of my life and ministry, the source of my strength, and the love of my life. The reason I get out of bed in the morning, the reason I go to bed at night and wake up, is all because of Christ. I'm all wrapped up. Now, what a convicting verse because you know the holy spirit's asking you can you to imitate him can you say well for me you know to live is fill in the blank to live is and many in the world would say well uh, you know to live is pleasure or to live is wealth or to live is my job or to my, to live is material goods or or to live is affirmation that's i just want people to like me that's my my my, my little Go ahead and say it, idol, because anything you fill in that blank for me to live is fill in the blank is your idol. If it's not Christ, it has to be Christ. He has to have first place. Even good and natural God given things filled in that spot, oh, is bad. Idols promise you the world and they never deliver. And you could put your wife in that blank and most of the world would say he lives for his wife. And the world would applaud, but Jesus would say, you're not worthy of me. Whoever loves father or mother, son or daughter, more than me, God, God who's the center of the universe, God for whom you don't exist or do exist, whoever elevates a good thing and puts it before me, the source of life, the source of everything, that, my friend, is an idol. And what happens is when you put your good thing, like ministry, and you put a good thing before Christ, you want from that thing what only God can give. Amen. And so that's why the marriage is strained, because you're asking wife or husband or the son or the daughter or the ministry to give to you what only God can give So you got to get those things out, make them six, seven, or eight, but do not make them number one. For Paul, he says, for me, to live is Christ, do his will, to talk to him every day, to invest in him, to enjoy his love, to die is gain. So when you just make God the reason for your life, and he is the reason for your life, whether you make him that or not, uh, but to die is gain. So just with one heartbeat, boom, you've been talking and loving and investing in all years, Christ, 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 Christ. Christ. So he says, it's just gain. One second, man, I'm breathing eternity I'm rewarded. I'm with God. I'm I'm with the Lord. I'm not in a sinful, broken body anymore. My mind isn't vexing me with all kinds of unworthy, defiling thoughts that just disturb me to no end. I've got no more problems, no more concerns. I'm face to face with the God who made me uh, to reach out and touch the face of the God who made you, who thought you up. He just thought, you know, I want a John. I don't have a John like you. I mean, there are a lot of Johns in this world, not going to lie. I mean, that's a common name. But <laughs> but there's no John like you. And you wouldn't be here if God didn't say, I, it's not complete without you. I'm going to have me a John like you to see him. We don't even know what color his eyes are. They're probably brown, but... You know, Mary. Mary Mary probably had brown eyes. You get to see him. Gain? Poor John. He's trying to describe heaven to us. He's stretching English as far. Well, English his his like Greek as far as it could go. I just saw like a a diamond, rubies coming out of the sky, shining, you know, uh, the ground looked like gold. and, And, you know, he's straining to tell us what... Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 No eye has seen nor ear has heard nor has it entered into the heart of man or the mind what God has prepared for those who love him And so we sing about heaven we dream about heaven, we write books about heaven, we talk about heaven all the time. And then when we find out we may be going there soon, we can all freak out. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's dragging their feet and like, oh, it's the worst possible thing. Paul says it's gain. I I'm kind of torn. Now he doesn't have a morbid preoccupation, nor is he a defeatist. Right? He's not suicidal. He's just saying, when I consider Life here, I'm 60 years old. I've lived. I've had a 30-year-long ministry. I've had a lot of fruit, <laughs> fruitful things happen. And, and I'm being tugged. And actually, the Greek has it pulling both ways. Heaven is pulling. And earth is pulling. And he says, you know what? Being other-centered that he is, he says, I have a feeling that my work is not quite done yet. Because I could still be of use to you, and what a party that would be. Your faith would be encouraged. So I'm pretty convinced that I'm going to see you again. That's pretty awesome. And that's really what happens. He says, I want to see you again, and for us to have that kind of uh, joy. Two uh, inevitable things one is he gets his head cut off, and he says, That'll be gain. And the other one is a favorable, as far as we see, um, conclusion in the matter where he gets to be more uh, useful to God. He says, it's win-win for me. So he's excited about the prospect of heaven. Are you? And he's also excited about the prospect of living and serving God. He says, fruitful, it's going to be effective and helpful, right? But toil, right? So he's a realist. So he says, I'm pretty convinced that God's going to keep me around. So we go from an unbeatable attitude now to live as Christ, to die as gain. Finally, he rounds out the chapter uh, with these words Verse 27 Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, let's say I get out, but I don't make it to Philippi, right? Uh, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. By the way, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only just to believe on him and enjoy all the wonderful things about trusting in Jesus, but also granted, gifted graciously that word, but also given to you. Part of the package is to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and by the way, of course, that I still have, because that's what happens when you're, In a Christ-rejecting world, and you're representing Christ, we get the same kind of rejection. And so we finish chapter 1 there, and he's going to round out the chapter now. We've gone from a confident outlook and an unbeatable attitude, and now, oh, best of all, a noble aim to, listen to me, to walk worthy whatever happens. Oh, man, I could just spend an hour talking about that. He says... Whatever happens, you're going to walk right before God, right? Whether I get out, whether I get out and I just can't make it to Philippi, you're not going to be like, oh, Luke tossing the uh, towel. I'm so disappointed. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And what happened? He got executed. Or what happened? He's out, but he can't get here. So therefore... We're not going to contend anymore for the gospel. We're not going to serve anymore because we got our feelings hurt or we got disappointed. He says, no, 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 no. Whatever happens to the Christian, you have to walk worthy. When it's a yes, when it's a no, when it's a please, wait. What in the world does it matter how our life unfolds compared to the worthiness of walking in obedience to God. What, does, what do the two have in common? And so often, whatever happens matters. And we make that conditional about walking worthy before God. So if whatever happens happens to be something that makes us upset or hurt, Then it's Operation Retaliate. It's Operation Silent Treatment. You think I'm going to serve you? I'm going to isolate? I'm going to protect myself? I'm going to get bitter because I've got a lot of questions and I've got a lot of disappointments? Well, we do. But the second your struggle goes over to disengagement and not devotion to Christ and walking worthy, you've gone from struggle legitimate to disobedience and rebellion. And you're just using that so that you can do your own thing. He says, oh, folks, whatever happens, walk worthy like Job. Job did that. Job had the kind of attitude. He says, whatever happens. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If I saw Jesus coming at me with a machete, I'd be like, I trust you, Lord. (laughs) Have at it, you know. I know that sounds crazy, but Job just says, what does it matter? I trust God. He loves me on the apple of his eye. So whatever happens, I'm going to praise him. Now, a lot of things went wrong in that guy's life. He lost 10 times more than anybody in this room, right? And so what happens? He doesn't give God the silent treatment. He doesn't uh, disengage. He doesn't have a lot of questions. He doesn't sideline himself. He's continuing to serve. He's going to church. His wife is watching. Uh, He's serving still. He's greeting people. He's saying nice things about God. You just lost your whole family, got wiped out. Whole family, gone. Sons and daughters, gone. All his possessions, his bank account, up, done. And he's scraping himself. Because he's lost his health, he has some kind of festering boils. Still going to church, still giving in the offering, still praising God. When his friends come in, he has no, nothing bad to say about God. In fact, he says, naked I came in, naked I go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all these things, Job did not sin by what he said, the Bible says. And his wife catches on. And his wife sees him and says, <laughs> You're still going to church. You're still singing hallelujah. Yeah, I, I heard you the other day. You're scraping your swords to the tune of great is thy faithfulness. <laughs> what is your problem, man? Were are you holding on to your integrity? Look at me. I can go the whole way and still praise God. Curse God, get it over with, and just die. He could have married better. <laughs> Just, just saying, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Mrs. Job, please. He said, Job's attitude, Paul's attitude, and every Bible hero's attitude. Shall we accept just the good stuff? How about the bad stuff? It comes from God's allowed it for a reason, and he's loving. Should we not accept that too? You're talking like a foolish woman. You see? So whatever happens, whatever happens, it didn't go your way. It actually did go your way. You just don't know it. And when you get to heaven, he's going to say, see what I had? I averted a disaster by doing what you think was a disaster. But a greater disaster would have happened. And you go in heaven, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But on earth right now, through the scriptures, and trust in a good God. You can say now, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for doing something good. And get your eyes off the pain and the suffering and the retaliation mode that your heart wants to say, you want to play with me? God, you're messing with the wrong person because I'm not going to show up on Sunday for six months. I'm not going to be in hospitality ministry getting everybody's coffee. And I just picked that out of the top (laughs) of my head. That just... Whatever. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm shutting down. Listen, my friends, like me, struggle. You have to struggle. God knows. Struggle with a sweet spirit, with a surrendered heart. He'll walk you through it. He'll explain it. Just don't harden your heart and use it as an excuse to do your own thing. Because God's so smart, he'll call you on it. Amen. (laughs) So he says, so whether I come to see you or, or I'm kept from you or whatever, I want you to not get disappointed and kind of, and when you get disappointed, and here's what he's saying right here. He's saying, you guys need to contend together. And what happens is when you get like, you know, did you hear Paul after all of that? <sharp inhale> Off with his head. It tends to make you want to not engage anymore in the fellowship Boy, that was a blow. So he's saying, oh, whatever happens, fight for the gospel. Don't fight against each other. Because when Nero turns up the heat, and he did, you know, nothing like turning up the heat to bring out the nasty in fallen human beings. And instead of coming together, being strong, which is what those words mean, contending as one person, as if everyone in the rock at the rock was really just one person all complete in all our diversity with the same love for Jesus and the same goal to shine that gospel out to defend the faith so that people can hear and be saved that's what he's saying don't whatever happens he's saying the gospel's bigger don't get tripped up whatever happens The gospel's worthy. God is worthy. Put those things aside and say there's something bigger than me going on here and how I feel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus came to save the world. Hey, listen, when it's all about us, when it's all about you, me, myself, and I, you will put yourself on the shelf. God will never use a me, myself, and I guy. Never. He can't. Because all you're concerned about is yourself, there's no room for him. So he's saying, whatever happens, just make it about him. Make it always about him. Because guess what, <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's all about him. And when we get to heaven, man, he's gonna be front and center. It's like, duh, the angels get it. You know, <laughs> we're just, you know, we're just slow in some ways. But and then uh, let's close out with this. Just amazing. He says, now. Nero's going to turn out the heat, but I want you to be diligent and don't be terrorized. Do not give way to fear. You have nothing to fear. God is your helper. He's on board. Everything's going to be okay. And he says, when you do that, listen, it's a sign to the opposition, to the bad guys, to to the unbelievers who are opposing Christ, Christianity, your church, and you. It's a sign to them of two things. One, they're going to lose two God's people are going to win. God wins. Now, this is an interesting concept. He's saying, for example, when ISIS blows up a church in Pakistan, which they do, and that week, Christians gather, and they start rebuilding. And they rebuild it, and on the following Sunday or two, those members are back in that location, lifting their hands and their voices to the living God in praise. He says, whether they acknowledge it or not, into their souls, a spiritual dynamic and a spiritual laws at work. The Bible says it's a sign to them. Get on board because of the ship that you're on now is going to be sunk and sunk. Badly, because God will come to the aid. They've tried for thousands of years to wipe Jesus' name off the face of the earth. It's not working because the gates of hell itself will not prevail. And that that we are still here and still proclaiming and still holding fast, it's a sign on some level to them, hey, in a redemptive way, I better turn around and get on. Hey, listen, if Team A is is winning, and team A is winning by God's help, and you figured that out, and you're on team B, (laughs) then you want to get on team A, right? (laughs) That's what he's saying. He's saying, back in the days, listen, Nehemiah's day. They're doing God's work. They're rebuilding the glory of Jerusalem. It's God's work. And it really stands for what we're doing as well. And lots of bad guys intimidating them threatening them with violence, assassination plots, smear campaign, lies to the king of Persia, all kinds of things like, hey, meet me over here. I got something to tell you. And then they were going to kill Nehemiah and all the people, instead of being terrorized. The Bible says they just blew a trumpet. They all worked together, right? They, they worked the wall with a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. When the, someone was in need, they blew the alarm. Bam, everybody was there. And it says the enemy saw it, took note, and figured it out. God is helping them. And terror fell upon them. This is the concept. This is that when you get beat up, when something terrible happens to you, and you say, somebody, a coworker says, hey, man, sorry about X, Y, and Z. And you say, God is good. He's helping me through it. Bing! It happened. It's like, wow, that team A, team A, man, they go through everything with a good attitude. They keep serving the Lord. Boy, I would have gotten out of there a long time ago. But see, your life, well lived and, and persevering through things is a sign to the world. Get on board while you can because we're going to win. God is going to save us. He's going to take us away before this world experiences what is called the great tribulation. He's saying, persevere well because it's a sign to them <laughs> and they'll come on board. It's an amazing thing. And then he closes by saying, hey, hey, for it's been granted, gifted. Here's the gift that nobody really wants, all right? Uh, let's be honest. Uh, God, God says, with the package of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, a clear conscience, the joy of God the Father being your dad, there's a lot of good stuff. He says, in the package is also another gift, and it's called suffering. Because, let me show you. I'll just, just explain it to you. John. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first, Jesus speaking, quite frankly. (laughs) If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to them anymore because I chose you out of the world. That is what the word church means, to be chosen out, to be called out of. That's what the word ecclesia means, to be called out. And he said, that's the reason you're rubbing them the wrong way because you don't fit anymore and you're reminding of them of things they don't want to think about. So they'd rather get rid of you or marginalize you or mock you or make fun of you. But it's not about you. It's about me. Now, if they hated me, they persecuted me and nailed me to a cross and you're a little me (laughs) and you say the same things that bugged them that I said and you do the same things that caused rejection. welcome. There's no other way. So it's part of the gifting. Why does he call it a gift? Because it does so many good things. It matures us. gives us character, patience. He said, hey, count it all joy when you fall into troubles of many kind, knowing that your faith, more valuable than gold, is being tested and refined. And cooperate with it, he says. Let it have its work in you so that at the end of the process, you'll be complete. That word means mature, perfect. King James, it means mature, fully ripened, ready for any good work, you see. So it's a gift. When we get the gift, we open it. We need to embrace it and not want to return it, all right? Because that doesn't work. It just keeps coming back, amen. But he gives us the grace, always gives the grace, uh, I saw, and I've told people this many times, and we're going to get ready for communion now. But uh, listen, as we do, uh, I've, I remember the story about uh, the stop sign in um, Sebastopol. It was in the parking lot there, Mary's Pizza. And uh, <laughs> oh my, it makes me laugh every time I think about it. It's, it's a big stop sign. And some dude uh, took us uh, some spray paint and, and painted wrote, God. So it says, stop God, right? (laughs) So every time I drove past there, I just laughed out loud, literally. And I'd always drive by by and go, good luck with that. (laughs) Come on, stop God. Nobody's going to stop God, right? At the end of Revelation and Armageddon, he appears, and they make war against him visibly. Revelation 19. God Almighty appears with a crown on his head and it says the kings of the earth made war against him. And it says that he just spoke one word and I'm dying to know what that word is. (laughs) My best guess is please. And, and it's over. It's not much of a battle. When you see the battle of Armageddon, you know, it's the word of Armageddon. It's one word. They make war, they see him, let's get him. <laughs> it's like one word, and it's over. Then he makes his way to the Mount of Olives in fulfillment of the prophecies. And so, yes, hey, I read the last chapter, we win. God wins, and that is the foundation for our confident attitude, our, our unbeatable attitude, our confident outlook, I should say, and a noble aim to walk worthy no matter what. Amen? Yes. All right, let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, just thank you for taking, and quite frankly, and I mean this nicely, a bunch of losers like me, and making us a bunch of winners. And simply because we said yes to you and stopped destroying ourselves, you're gonna reward us now with eternal life and rewards in heaven and pleasure at your right hand forevermore. Lord, wow, thank you. Help us to believe these things to be true because they are and to focus on them and not our problems, but on the solution